This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey everybody, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. I have an amazing show for you. I often have an amazing show for you, but tonight is special because I have a fellow New Yorker on, Miss T. Miss Tanya's here. That's my sister, you see her? And she's here tonight to talk about her. She has an amazing story, by the way, okay? An amazing story. Now when you look at her, put the camera back on me and her. When you look at her, you're not going to believe the story that she has, all right? Right? I'm telling you, she's gonna, what comes out of her mouth tonight will shock and amaze you. But she's here tonight to try to figure out how she can learn how to trust again, how to build strong, trusting relationships and to be rooted both in herself and relationships in such a way that she's not constantly thinking about all the things that may go wrong, okay? But along the way, I'm gonna peel back that onion and let her tell her story because her story is going to shock and amaze you. You know, uh, listen. Settle in, people, okay? We got a great show tonight. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. We're going to do some headlines. Miss T is here. I'm here. You're here. How could this not be amazing? All right, Harley, play the bumper, man. We begin tonight as most television shows and broadcasts are beginning today with an acknowledgement of the horrific death that took place in Texas. There's the murder of children, elementary school children assaulted and struck down in this country has become an all too common occurrence and it has happened yet again. Again, we find the death of innocence and it's greeted with apologies and prayers and people getting up saying crazy things as the governor of Texas suggested today that if there had been more guns in the school, this would have ended differently. You know, Before I go down that crazy rabbit hole with the governor of Texas, let me say that on behalf of the Book of Sean and really Fox Soul generally, we send our condolences to the parents of these blessed little angels who lost their lives. All of these students left their homes yesterday expecting to return back to their families, and now they never will. And our prayers go out to them. The death of innocence. It is a horrific part of the American experience, and we need to do something about it. Back to Governor Abbott, though, because anybody who thinks that having more guns is the answer to this, I would remind you that the gunmen lived in Texas, a, ta- a, a state, rather, that has conceal and carry. People know that other people have guns. You can actually have your gun on your waistband showing in Texas. And yet he was still willing to go into a school where he did not know who else had a gun to kill children. More guns is not the solution. Just like having more sex won't make you a virgin, having more guns won't necessarily make you safe. What we need in this country is to really assess what we're doing with gun policy. Those are are just my thoughts. 
But at the end of the day, my thoughts are not the most important thing. What's most important is that we lost children. Not all the bother everybody. All right, let's move on before we all start crying. <laughs> I'm telling you, that'll make you cry. Let's talk about let's talk about a high school in Ohio, all right? Miss T, listen to this, all right? Let's talk about a high school in Ohio. Because there's a high school in Cincinnati, Ohio. The students there are being disciplined after they posted, check this out, black-only and white-only signs over water fountains two weeks ago. The students claimed that the signs were only posted for a few seconds so that they could take photos for their social media accounts, as if that makes it okay. <laughs> and these kids are obviously, obviously absolutely clueless as it relates to race relations in this country and racism in this country because they took pictures of these signs and they posted them on several social media accounts. Totally clueless students. And they're in high school. We're not talking about people in the sixth grade or, you know, the third grade or something. These kids are in high school. You see, I used to think that the future was going to happen. When I was young, I thought the future was going to be better just because young people were going to be in charge of it. But then I got a little older and realized, no, just because you're young doesn't make you progressive. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're young doesn't, make, doesn't mean that you're committed to liberation and inclusion and equity and equality. Young people can be just as backwards and undermining as anybody old and decrepit. You follow what I'm saying? And that's why we have to be vigilant about the future. We have to be vigilant about how it is we hand the future over to children and to young people. And just because you're young doesn't mean you get to drive this car. You know what I'm saying? I need you to listen to me. Because when it is all said and done, what tends to happen in this country is that we think that the future is going to be better just because it's the future. But I got, I got some kids in, high, in a high school in Cincinnati that proves that you can be in high school and be young and be full of life and be a racist just like your grandfather. You know what I'm saying? Hear me when I tell you this, beloved. See, here's my question. You ready for this? What, what were they teaching in this high school? What's going on in this high school that you can have a group of students who think it's okay to put blacks only, whites only sign on water fountains, okay? Because here's what I know for sure. I know that education that does not cultivate your character as well as your mind is no education at all. I think we need to investigate what's going on in this high school, okay? Not, not just the students, they're problematic, but what is going on in the high school? Because obviously education is not being conducted there at the highest level. They can get A's on tests and they can do well on the SATs. But if you're a bigot and a racist, are you really getting the education? See, where I come from, that's not an education at all. That's called test taking. <laughs> Listen, I think we live in a world where racism is okay for a lot of people. And this is what happens. What happens when you live in a world where racism is okay for a lot of people, you end up with kids putting signs on water fountains trying to take us back to the 1960s. These kids are obviously truly ignorant, okay? But the good news is they're kids, so they can be intervened and transformed, and somebody can step in. The only problem with this is that apparently these kids didn't have any problem with what they were doing until they got disciplined. I need you to have a moral conscience. Because at no point did these kids decide that putting blacks only, whites only signs on water fountains was the wrong thing to do. They only probably thought it was wrong after they got caught and reprimanded. Your conscience should prevent you from doing things that are immoral and unethical because you have a conscience. So here's my real question. You ready for this? 
I get it that the school's going to discipline these kids, but what I really want to know is what are their parents going to do? Because if your parents are not going to discipline you for being a racist, then the odds are you're still going to be a racist. <laughs> let's move on. Let, speaking of racist, let's talk about Republican leaders of the, in the House. <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting segue, did you think? Let's talk about Republican leaders in the House because you talk about hypocrisy. You talk about people who say one thing and do something else. You ready for this story? Let's get into it. Republican leaders of the House were, of the House of Representatives, were among 192 Republicans generally who voted against providing, listen to this, $28 million of support and aid to the F Food and Drug Administration to address the uh, shortage in baby formula. So this vote came days after they had criticized Joe Biden for not doing enough. And now they went and voted against giving $28 million to helping the, FA, the FDA rather get more formula for parents who need to feed their babies. Here's my, here's my point with this. I don't understand how you justify voting against baby formula. How in the world do you vote against helping parents provide food for their babies? I mean, what principle, what ideology, what piece of politics do you pull from that says it's okay for you to make it harder for people or, or not as easy as it could be for people to feed their babies? How do you vote against babies? If the code of our humanity is that we should treat other people the way we should want to be treated, then certainly the code of our politics should be we should make it easier for babies to eat. I, I, I mean, come on now. Come on. Really? Really? 192 Republicans voted against helping people get baby formula? And these are the people who want women to have babies. These are the people who make it harder for women to decide what they should do with their own pregnancies. Because, of course, you know, life is sacred in the sanctity of the birth and all that. And then y'all going to vote against baby formula? I'm trying not to cuss because, you know, this is a daytime show. <laughs> but, you know, I'm from Harlem, so it's hard. <laughs> I'm from New York, so it's getting real hard not to say what I want. Because this exacerbates me. This frustrates me. You know what I'm saying? Because I, 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 I it's never going to be okay that we treat the elders and the babies any kind of way. No, it ain't right. You're going to stand in the way for people to get formula? You, you're going you're to vote down money? No, that's not right. I don't care what you say. You, you, no, nobody, nobody's going to convince me that this is right. But thankfully, I got good news for you. Is your soul ready? I got good news for you. I'm going to preach a little bit. You ready? The good news is the bill passed anyway. Come on, beloved. <laughs> I said the bill passed anyway. The good news is the bill passed anyway, and the bill went to the Senate, and it passed in the Senate, and I was waiting for, for Joe Biden to sign it. And I'll tell you why. You ready? Because nobody can curse what God has already blessed. Not even 192 Republicans who vote against babies. Let me move on. Let's talk about profits during COVID, okay? Did you guys hear about this? This is a very interesting story. So apparently COVID-19 has been good for the wallets of rich people. Since 2020, listen to this, 500 people have joined the billionaire class, bringing the worldwide total of billionaires to 2,600 
and 68 people who are bona fide billionaires. And this means that a billionaire was created about once every 30 hours during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic. So during the pandemic, billionaires saw their total net worth soar to, soar by rather, $3.8 trillion. So all of the billionaires saw their worth go up collectively by $3.8 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars. This was fueled by gains in the stock market, but it was also fueled by the government injecting money into the economy. And one of the things that people don't like about capitalism, and, and, and you know, understandably so, is that the system seems to be rigged to keep rich people rich and poor people poor. And that's one of the things that people don't like about capitalism. Let me be very clear about this. Y'all ready? Dr. Sean is not a socialist. Dr. Sean is a capitalist. Dr. Sean is an egalitarian capitalist. What that means is I'm okay with profit, and I'm okay with people making money, and I'm okay with people making a lot of money. What I'm not okay with is a lot of people not being able to make a lot of money. Did you see how I did that? So I don't care if people make a lot of money. It's fine with me. I just want more of us to have access to it. If you make a billion, give me a shot at a million. You know what I'm saying? If you're making a trillion, give me a shot at a billion. So I'm not a socialist. I don't mind if people make money during the pandemic. I just want more people to have more access to making more money during the pandemic. Spread the wealth around. And if capitalism is going to be in any trouble in the future, it's because it doesn't provide people, more people with greater access to more opportunities. You follow what I'm saying? So when I see rich people making money, I don't get mad. I get upset when I, when I don't see enough people making money. When I don't see enough people making money, that's what, that's what bothers me. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. I have no problems being rich one day. <laughs> that's one of my prayers. Y'all want to pray right now? Sweet little Jesus, <laughs> before it's all over, could you make sure that Dr. Sean and my brother and sister who are watching comes into great wealth? if that's what you want for your life. I just want, I, look, I got no problem with people making money. So during the pandemic, conservatives were talking about what are people doing with all these government checks, right? That's what they were saying, right? What are these poor people doing with their government checks? Well, notice, notice when I, when I, gave, when I started this story, it wasn't just poor, poor people and working people getting government checks. A lot of these billionaires that were created during the pandemic, they, they were created in part because they got government checks. But conservatives never asked what they were doing with their money. They just wanted to know what the f poor folks were doing with their money. All right, here's the last story I'm gonna do before I bring out my sister T, all right? Listen to this story. I, I'm, I'm gonna run over a little bit, so don't be yelling at me, but I can't not do this story. So uh, the Archbishop of San Francisco, Salvatore Cordelione, he's the Archbishop of, of, of San Francisco, that's him, uh, Salvatore Cordelione, he recently said that the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, can no longer, listen to this, receive communion in the Archdiocese because she supports abortion rights. This guy had the nerve to send Nancy Pelosi a letter and quote some obscure canonical law and said that henceforth she is forbidden from receiving communion in the Archdiocese of San Francisco where she lives because, until, rather, she repudiates abortion. Now, here is a man who was a part of a church who protected and promoted child molesters, and yet he has the nerve to presume some moral authority with the issue of abortion. He is a part of an institution that literally protected and in some cases promoted people who were molesting children. 
And he's going to tell Nancy Pelosi she can't take communion because of abortion? Now, if Nancy Pelosi cannot take communion because of abortion, and that makes her unethical, then surely the people who are giving her communion, <laughs> because they're a part of an organization that promoted and supported child molesters, should not be handing it to her. If she can't get it, y'all shouldn't be giving it out. If she's not ethical to receive it, you're not ethical to be handing it out. I'm trying not to cuss again, Miss T. You pray for me, okay? You pray for me, girl. You pray for me. Listen, people, don't subject other people to purity tests if you can't pass one. You know what I said? Don't subject other people to moral purity tests if you can't pass one. When your robes ain't clean, you don't get to tell me how dirty my socks are. You don't get to do that. She can't take communion because she supports the right of a woman to decide what she do to do with her own body. But you all have a long legacy of hurting people. Anyway, I'm almost done. I'm almost done with this. But here's my question. You ready? Tell me when was the last time the Catholic Church denied people communion for being racist? Answer that. They denied Nancy Pelosi communion for, for supporting abortion. When was, the, when was the last time the Catholic Church said you can't take communion because you're a racist? Has that ever happened? When was the last time the Catholic Church denied somebody communion because they supported guns, the proliferation of guns? When was the last time they denied communion to somebody who supported policies that support poverty, that keep people locked in poverty? So you can be a bigot, you can support crazy gun laws, and you can lock people in poverty and still get communion. But if you support abortion, oh no, you can't get it. Because for a lot of conservatives, the only two, the only two moral issues are homosexuality and abortion. Y'all need to grow up. Morality is a lot bigger than homosexuality and abortion. By the way, Archbishop, those are two subjects Jesus never said anything about. He never said one word about homosexuality. He never said one word about abortion. But y'all seem to have a lot to say about it. I'm going to end with this. Since the Archbishop wanted to quote a law, I got a law for you, Archbishop. Judge not and be thou not judged. But the measure you give will be the measure that you receive. I know the book. Don't play with me. When we come back, we're going to talk to Miss T about her marvelous journey, trust issues. She has an amazing story. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. I'll be right back right after. Don't you go nowhere right after this. Let me tell you something that I know for sure. Everybody that smiles in your face is not your friend. And everybody that's clapping for you doesn't want you to win. In fact, there's some people who are clapping because they don't want you to see how much they can't stand the fact that you're winning. Oh, that's good. Anyway, welcome to the show tonight, my dear sister, Miss T. How you doing, Miss T? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Hey, listen, I take applause. I really do. Thank you so much for that. I, uh, I, I, first of all, thank you for being on. I'm excited to have you, and I hope you feel great and excited to be here. I am. That's good. Am. That's good. Thanks for having me. No, it is really our pleasure. I, and I'm excited about this because... You give us an opportunity to have a conversation about something that a lot of people deal with, which is trust. How do I know I can trust you? How do I know I can put my, invest my heart and my energy into you? Um, so I want to begin like this, okay? Because we're, we're going to get it all in. So just, trust me, we're going to get this whole story in. But I want to begin right here. Where do you think your trust issues come from? Probably, you know, me growing up in Harlem, being in the streets and also being in a game, it probably came from some things that happened to me and I've seen a lot. 
that happened to others. So, you know, instantly, you know, I had to always be aware and right then and there from the things that I saw and the things that happened to me, I knew, or I just developed this thing in me where I just, just, just trust wasn't easy. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And so let's, 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 let's peel the onion back a little more. So let, let's talk about, because we, we're going to talk about Harlem a little later on, right? And all of that. But let, let's, let's go into your family for a second, because I want people to understand that you actually grew up in a family that really loved you and valued you, right? Um, talk to me about your family and what it was like growing up there and being a part of that. Well, I grew up in a good family, two-parent household. You know, my dad was from Kingston, Jamaica, so respect and education were big in my household. There was no compromising with that. You know, I had to grow up saying, yes, mommy, no mommy, yes, daddy, no daddy. My mom didn't really care about that. But for my father, it was that is what I had to do at home, you know, just to respect my parents. I needed for nothing. You know, I needed nothing. I had everything, mm. everything, love, everything. So for you, trust, the trust issues didn't develop in the family at all. Not at all. Right, right. And I, I asked you that on purpose because I think a lot of people think that if you have trust issues, it started with your, it's kind of cliche now, right? It started with your family, your mother, your father, your grandmother, your sister, your father. But you're here tonight to really show us that no, 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 no. You can grow up in a great family, be loved, education, respect, and all of that, and, and still end up with trust issues because you get it from another place. Yes. Yes. So let's talk yeah. about where you got it from, okay? Let's talk about that. So, so tell me more about life in Harlem. Uh, doing, and I'm, I'm not giving too much away. Doing what you were doing. Tell everybody what you were doing in Harlem. And this is another thing where um, people think that those of us that gravitated to the street came from broken homes. And in my case, that's further from the truth. I had everything, but I gravitated to the street, um, started selling drugs at an early age, not because I wanted, not because I needed to, but because I loved money. And I just wanted to be a part of that thing. You know, being in Harlem, I always uh, describe it as the stage and I wanted to be on stage. So, you know, being in the street, seeing things happen, people getting killed, and, you know, later on in the game, when I took over my husband's organization, I ended up being tied up and robbed at 21 years old, six months pregnant by my brother-in-law. Mm. So... Now, now, Misty, hold on, hold on, because you're going fast. And we, 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 I, I'm, <laughs> we, we're going to go into some of that, but, but, but I want to ask you this, um, because I, my responsibility to you tonight is to yeah. let you, is to have you tell the story, but I also want to help you by the time this is over, Okay. So, so, yes. so tell me how you got into the game. What got you into hustling? I seen it around me, but um, I had an uncle that was out there and I said, I want to do that. And he gave me that opportunity and I did it. And the money came so fast. So I was like, okay, this is something I want to do. Mm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you were motivated by the money? Yes. Mm. Okay. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. How good was the money? I mean, <laughs> when I was young, it was good. And as I got older, it got greater. Really? Okay. We're not glorifying drug dealing tonight, people. Not at all. We're not. We're really not. But, 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 you, re but you really have to understand, and this is the value of having you on, 
is that you'd be surprised at what people will choose and where people will end up. And, and sometimes it has nothing to do with how they were raised and nothing to do with what they needed, right? That's your story, right? That's my story. Yeah. Um, um, so so what, what did you get out of hustling? I mean, I got, I got the money, but, but it's always more than the money. What did you get out of it? I guess it's just that feeling of doing something wrong and getting away with it. And of course, you know, the men were in the game. They were getting money. But I always I was always a strong minded young lady, um, strong willed. And I just felt like I could just do whatever I wanted to do. You know, men in the game didn't um, scare me or scare me out of doing it or anything like that. You know, I just wanted to get money and be a part of that thing, whatever that thing is. <laughs> wow. You know, that that just seeing you here tonight and encountering you, right? Just your spirit, your 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 presence, your voice, all of you. Um it makes me want to ask you, what kind of, what kind of hustler were you? Cuz they're mean hustlers, they're smart hustlers, they're brutal hustlers. They're compassionate hustlers, kind of. I was smart and I was, I'm firm, you know. I could be cool as a fan as long as everybody do everything right, you know, because you have to, just like on a regular job, if you're a supervisor, you know, you got to have, for everybody to be productive, you just can't be mean or badgering people. People got to be comfortable and want to work. You got to keep everybody happy, but you got to be firm and let them know that, listen, you serious about everything that you do, you know, or that uh, serious about what you want done. So, you know, I wasn't mean, but if I did have a problem, I was a female that can make phone calls and make things happen. I'll say that. I get it. I get it. I, I get it. And I'm not asking you that for gratuitous yeah. reasons. I'm asking you that because mm -hmm. it plays into me in helping both of us understand how you arrive here tonight. And here's my mm -hmm. question, because having to be that way, someone who can make a phone call, someone who can make, you know, let's say, you know, decisions, we'll call it that, right? It affects mm -hmm. you. It changes you. It augments mm -hmm. your emotional side. Tell me how you believe or, or experience that be having to be that way in that in that game in that scenario how did it affect you how did it change you emotionally um emotionally it changed me a lot because that first uncle that gave me that chance got killed by his partner a couple of months later mm. i still wasn't um it still wasn't a deterrent for me because then i latched on to his brother which was my other uncle but that's where that trust thing comes in. His own partner did that to him. And I just couldn't understand why. But I knew, I learned early that in that game, you couldn't trust anyone. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. And you, you, you mentioned this before, and I kind of mm. made you slow down, um, but I'm going to turn you loose now. You mentioned that you ended up marrying someone who was also in the game. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I was introduced to a, a guy by um, a big guy in Harlem. He was considered the richest man and his partner. He introduced me to his partner and we began a relationship, had a daughter. But, you know, 
before we could really get into it. Well, we got into it, but you know, he ended up getting arrested early mm. in our relationship mm. and a lot went on and I went through a lot, you know, at a young age, I had to deal with a lot. I had to take over some things and, you know, that just brought a lot on me. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. So you ended up falling in love with someone, right? Um, uh, my, my mom used to say that water seeks its own level. So it doesn't surprise me that you were attracted to, ended up being with someone who was also in the game, as it were, right? And then he gets arrested, and now you have to take over the business. Like, you have to take over, right, and, and have more leadership, more responsibility, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, more emotional repression, more reason not to trust people, right? More reasons. You know, am, I, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I doing well right now, Miss T? Do I have it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And listen, and, and so and so it, it accumulates, it builds to where we are right now. Um, we, we, we're going to take this break. But Miss T had a defining moment. She had a defining moment that really made her want to get out the game. OK, and you need to hear this story because this is a story uh, that's really going to shock and amaze you. We're, we're, we're building towards something, people, okay? Because by the time we're done, my goal is to make sure that she understands there's a way to trust. There is, after all she's been through, there's a way to trust again. We're going to get to it right after this. Don't you go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Steve-O spent a whole break trying to convince me to go hiking. Not going to happen. I'm from Harlem. We ain't got no hiking, all right? <laughs> Miss T. <laughs> Welcome back, my dear sister, because it's me and you against these Californians in here. There's a Californian over here. We from New York. All right. So um, I, here's what I know for sure. Everybody has a defining moment, right? You may not realize that you're having it. You may not remember that you had it. But everybody has a moment where after this moment, you are not the same. And I know my producers told me you had a defining moment that is a defining moment. And it was frightening and scary. Could, could, could you take your time and just walk us through what happened when someone knocked on your door one day? Okay, I was 21 at the time, but um, my brother-in-law had just left my apartment. Well, my mom's apartment. I was at my mother's apartment and um, he left in about maybe three, four minutes after leaving, I got a knock and there was three masked gunmen at my door, two men and one female. And they, I had gotten, I realized I got set up. They came in, asked for the safe. And that's when I really knew I got set up because not too many people knew I had it. And um, they robbed me. They wanted me to give them everything, which I had no problem doing. But I needed to make sure that I was going to make it out of their lives. So, you know, people would think that I was scared, but I, was, I, I wasn't scared. I was just thinking on my feet. You know, I didn't even... I wasn't scared to open up the safe. I acted as if I forgot the um, combination, but I was thinking on what to do, how to play these cards that I'm being dealt right now. So I said, listen, you know, I told them they can have everything. Just don't hurt me and my baby because I'm six months pregnant at the time. And um, I said, you can have everything. I even offered them to tie me up because I wanted them to feel comfortable. I was trying to make the robbers comfortable. Um, I had a gun right near me that they didn't know was there, but I just couldn't take that chance. And I just prayed and hoped that God, you know, would get me out of that. And he did. And they took everything. They tied me up and um, they left. 
And I knew right then and there that my brother-in-law had set me up at that moment. You know, they had threatened to kill me. One of them did. But, you know, thank God, because I'm here today. My daughter's healthy. And, yeah, that was a defining moment for me. Listen, that was riveting. You hear me? That was absolutely riveting. Um, because you don't get to hear that every day. <laughs> That's not a story that most people get to hear every day. And I'm wondering, beyond the obvious, right? Because this is a very traumatic moment. When you, you're six months pregnant, you're just 21 years old. But, but beyond the obvious, like, what was it about that situation that made it clear to you? Like, what did that situation say to you? Can't trust nobody. Mm. Not even family. Mm. And it also stated that maybe this wasn't for me. <laughs> maybe it was something that I shouldn't be doing. But I didn't expect it to come from him. Mm. You, you know, you know what's interesting about that? Because I think the second thing it said is 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 for me the 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 lesson I'm glad you got. The the first thing it said is the lesson I regret the one, I regret the fact that you had to hear that. Um which 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 we'll talk about in a second, because we're gonna come at the issue of trust um directly in a second. But, but let me just say this to you, just, just, just from Dr. Sean to Miss T, I'm so glad that you got that second message because I'm glad you're here tonight and I'm glad that your daughter is okay. Um, and, so, and so, you know, you know I, I believe God will use anything, life will use anything to get you out of what you ain't supposed to be in and to get you into what you need to be a part of. Um, I'm sad that this had to happen, but I'm glad that you're here tonight and that you, you persevered. Um, so answer this question, because I, I'm, I'm really, I really am going somewhere. You gotta trust, you gotta trust your brother. Um, okay. Tell me the kind of person you have to be to be a drug dealer. Describe the kind of person you have to be. You have to be smart because you have to outwit the next person that's dealing out there. You also have to outwit the law. So you have to be smart in some way, you know, <laughs> you have to be smart. And what else, what, what else do you have to be? It's not all positive, Miss Tisa. Don't act like it's all positive. <laughs> you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, that game, instead of just thinking that you can just go in and make money, you, you know, you do have to make some harsh decisions. I don't know if I should say that you have to, but for some reason, you know, hurting people comes into play and things like that. So you do have to be mean. You have to be stern. You have to have that persona that you don't play or that if you try, try me, something can happen to you. So that's just the way the game is. It's not fair to nobody. It never happened. Yeah, listen, I, th thank you for that. Cause that, that's the, that was the answer I was hoping you were going to give me because now it allows me to, I think to pour into you and to say some things to you and, ju and, ju and just listen to me with your heart and with your soul because not, not only have you had to deal with people that, you, that were close to you betraying you but I think a part of why trust, trust is hard for you is because you remember how you used to be <laughs> you, you, you remember you know what I'm saying I mean, am, I, am I being honest yes yes yeah. You remember yeah. how you used to be. You remember not just what was done to you, but the person you had to allow yourself to become to be a part of that. So I right. totally get why trust is hard for you. I totally understand and empathize with you 
about why it's so difficult at this stage of your life to sort of let the walls down, let somebody in, and let your heart out. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever forgiven yourself for what you had to do? Yes, I have. I, I did. <laughs> wow. You know what? Huh, have I ever forgiven myself? I did take responsibility for my part as far as being in the street. I did do that. But but forgiveness I'm not sure is different, I've ever right? Forgiven. Right. Forgiveness is totally different. Forgiveness is different. Okay. Right. As a matter of fact, do me a favor. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Just, just trust me. I know this is hard. Close your eyes and and just say this after me. Say, say. I, I'm sorry for what I did to me. I'm sorry for what I did to me. I'm sorry for what I had to do for me. I'm sorry for what I had to do for me. I'm sorry that I hurt me. I'm sorry that I hurt me. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. I thought it was all about money. I thought it was all about money. I thought it was all about greed. I thought it was all about greed. I didn't realize what it would cost me. I didn't realize what it would cost me. If I had truly known. If I had truly known. What I know right now. What I know right now. I would have made a different decision. I would have made a different decision. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And when you say that, keep your eyes closed. When you say that, I, I see your breathing. That's it. I see that. What was, was that? We lose her? What was Relief. that? Relief. Relief. Say more about that. Oh, a release. That's amazing because I never thought about it that way. Hmm. Mm. 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 Let it happen. Let it happen. I see it. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. You are okay. You are okay. You are okay. You are okay. You are strong enough to let this out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't, don't hold this in. Because this is the beginning of liberation for you. This is the beginning of liberation for you. I, 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 unfortunately, of course, of, co of course, I got to take a break right now, right? But, but, but let me say this before we go. Let me say this to you. You will be able to trust other people the moment you get to the place where you trust yourself completely. Trusting them depends on how you trust you. And trusting you depends on you forgiving you for the things you're not proud of and what you regret. And just my experience with you tonight in this moment, I'm excited about your future because I know that you are strong enough to trust again, not them, but you. When right. I say that real quick, how does that strike you? What do you feel? What are you thinking? You're right. And it's something that I've never thought about. You know, that whole process just now, forgiving me probably will allow me to, you know, forgiving me and trusting myself mm. can allow me to trust others mm. because I've never done that before. I never forgave myself for anything that I've done. Mm. I even forgave the person that killed my brother, but I never forgave me. Mm. Mm. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. 
I, we, I, I, I wish we had more time. I, I swear I do, because I could talk to you for another two hours. Um, but but I, I feel like you've gotten something out of this, and I feel like going forward, you're going to be better, and I'm excited about all that's going to happen in your life. Thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you. No, it's my Thank pleasure. You. It's my pleasure. Listen, everybody, we come back, I'm going to say a little more about this particular case that relates to her, to me, and to you, and then we're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. Great show, right? We'll be right back, right, right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, before we do Ask Dr. Sean, I, that was a great conversation. And what made it great is because I think she really had an aha moment. But she realized that I can't trust other people until I really trust me. And I can't trust me until I forgive me for what I did wrong to me. Like a lot was done to her. And so, yeah, she's also a victim of a lot of people's malevolence and craziness. But, she, but at the end of the day, forgiving them will never mean more to you than the act of forgiving yourself and telling yourself, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing what I only knew how to do and what I knew. And the only thing I knew how to do was how to hurt me. I think, I think she's going to be all right. I think you're going to be all right, too, when you start forgiving yourself for the things that you've done wrong. It's not enough just to run to other people to get their forgiveness. You've got to spend a little time with yourself in the dark. Have a long look at yourself in a full-length mirror. And tell yourself sorry. And then accept the apology that you're offering you. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Highly play the bumper, man. Always you guys send me amazing videos, and this is no different. Let's take a look at this one. Hi, Dr. Sean. This is Reed from Long Beach, and I have a question. How do you restore a friendship of a person who betrayed you? Now, it's been years, and we haven't spoken, but... They really want to be restored. And I'm wondering, is it even possible uh, when someone betrays your confidence? And if so, how do you go about trusting that person again? Dr. Sean, please give me some advice on that. Thanks. Great question. It's a journey. I'll tell you that right now. It's a journey. Uh, trust is a little theme tonight that we got going tonight, right? Um, it's a journey. It's not a moment. See, one of the first things that you have to do is have an honest conversation about what happened. And maybe not the granular details about what happened, but, but everybody taking responsibility for what they did. Sometimes you just need to hear someone say, not only that I'm sorry, but I did wrong and this is what I did. You know what I'm saying? So if the person you're trying to have reconciliation with uh, is, is willing, if they're willing um, to do that, then, then, then they might have the character it takes to sustain a new relationship. If you're trying to reconcile with someone who's not willing to do that, then I'm not sure if you're dealing with someone who has the character it takes to get over what they've done. Having an honest conversation about the infraction that doesn't make you relive the infraction, and you're not simply trying to be mad or blame somebody about what they did, but everybody just holding themselves accountable for their failures is a healthy moment in building a new relationship. I tell you this all the time, that when people confess their sins, that cleanses the soul of the sinner. It does nothing for the victim. What the victim needs is transformation. And if, you, if the person you're trying to reconcile with is offering you real genuine acts of transformation, they're actually doing something different, saying something different, thinking something different, that's a good indication that you might have something of a future with them. But this is my best advice on this. You ready? Just take it one day at a time. You don't have to have, to have, you don't have, to have rather the next 10 years figured out in this friendship. You don't have to have the next six months figured out. Take it one day at a time. 
And the way they manifest is the way you receive them. And if they show up with good intentions and they're acting right and talking right and doing right, wonderful. And if they show up with some, with some off-the-cuff craziness, then you respond to that too. One day at a time. You don't have to have your mind made up. You know what I'm saying? They blew that opportunity. Because there was a time when your mind was made up about them. You were committed to them and connected to them and they messed it up. Well, when you mess that up, what you get hints for, and hopefully not forevermore, is you get a one day at a time situation with me. And that's what you ought to give them. And before long, you'll discover that one day will turn into a week at a time or a month at a time or a year at a time. And maybe you'll be back to where you were and maybe even better because sometimes a breakdown is a breakthrough when it comes to relationships. But in either case, as I told Miss T tonight, trust yourself because forgiving them and letting them in will never mean more than you being clear about who you are. Let's take this break. We're right back with more Ask Dr. Sean right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So someone DM me this question. My, my best friend of five years is engaged to a cheater. She has caught him cheating several times, but always makes excuses for his behavior. He recently asked me out on a date and told me that he has always wanted to have sex with me. <laughs> I told him that it would never happen. I want to tell my friend the truth about her man, but I am afraid that it will end our relationship, our friendship rather. What should I do? Really? Are you really, are you really asking what you should do with this? She's, she, wait, let's go over this. Because I like to go over things just so I'm clear. Your friend is dating someone who is a serial cheater, so much so that he told you he wanted to have sex with you. And you told him it would never happen. Now, your friend makes excuses for what he does, right? And she can't receive the truth. And you're wondering what you should do. I'm going to help you. Give her the truth anyway, because that's your moral responsibility as a friend. The, I, tell, I tell you guys this all the time. The first responsibility of friendship is honesty. If you, can't be a, if you can't be honest, then you can't be a friend, especially if you know she's walking into disaster. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing for you not to know, but you know she's walking into a disaster. And at least you'll be able to say you'll have a clear conscience. You'll be able to say, I told you. I warned you. At least you'll be able to say that. Now, what happens is on her. If she still chooses not to acknowledge what she now knows or to still marry or be engaged or whatever it is with someone who is serially cheating on her and tried to sleep with you, that's on her. And she's not a victim. She's a volunteer. She raised her hand and she accepted it. But I still think as a friend, you owe it to yourself because that's what you would want someone to do for you. And you owe it to your friend to tell her the truth. Like if my, if, my, if, my, if, my, if, my, if my guy was about to marry a woman who was cheating on him and I didn't tell him, he would have every right to be upset with me. That I knew what he was walking into, even if, he, even if he's prone not to accept it. That's, I'm, not, I, I'm not here to, to manage or judge how he receives the information. My obligation as a friend is to give you the information. What you do with it is on you. So I'm saying you have, to, you, have to, you have to emotionally detach yourself from her reaction and fulfill your moral responsibility as a friend. I'm obligated to tell you, so I told you. What you do with it, it is up to you. And you never know. This may be the one thing that's uh, the information you give her this time may be the thing that shakes her loose and allows her to see it for what it really is. 
This information that you give her this time might be the thing that wakes her up and empowers her not to make a serious mistake. You never know. Or she may continue to do what she's been doing, which is live in denial and to be well on the way to having a toxic, crazy, dysfunctional, disrespectful relationship. But that may be, that may be, you know, the, nece the necessary consequence of her journey. She may accept that because that's what she knows. I don't know. And maybe you don't know. And it ain't your job to figure it out because you're not a psychologist and I'm not Jesus. Your job is just to be a friend and to give people what you would want them to give you. Okay? All right. Let's take a, take a look at another video submission by my dear brother, Jason. Take a look. Hey, Dr. Sean. Jason from Atlanta here. And I was wondering, what is the best and healthiest way to end a relationship? Oh, that's an interesting question. A lot of people don't ask that because I do believe that... Here's what I believe, Steve-O. Check this out. I believe this. I believe you don't need love at the wedding. Easy. What you need love for is at the divorce. We, we know how much you loved each other, not at the reception. We know how much you loved each other while you're sitting in the court about to end this marriage. That's when we know. And a lot of people don't realize that how you end something often determines how you begin something else. So the ne what, what would you say if I told you that the next stage of your love life will be determined by how you end the stage you're in now. If you end messy and reckless and full of to toxicity and drama, that you, you're going to tell the end, you're going to tell the beginning by the end of the last thing. So be careful how you end, because you bring that energy, that intentionality, you bring all that karma with you. So I would say the best way to end a relationship is to try to end it as amicably as you possibly can. With enough respect... Now, 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 be clear about this. Respect and affection are not the same thing. You ain't going to be hugging and kissing and cuddling and all that because it's, it's about to be over. But you end it with respect. The best way to end a relationship, are y'all ready for this? The best way to end a relationship is to thank people for what they taught you and what they gave you and what they took from you and what they put up with from you. Well, that's the best way to do it is to see people as an opportunity that you learn something about yourself and about love and about them, right? And you thank them for all the gifts that they gave, all the lessons they taught, right? And all the goodness that came into your life because they were there. And that you thank them for all the negativity that came in because even that made you better. That's the best way to end a relationship with no resentment, no recrimination, no, I, I've cut, I, I'm, I'm sorry I met you. <laughs> I'm sorry you came out your mother's womb. None of that. Thank you. Thank you because you saved, you, you, you literally saved me time the next time I'm connected to someone. I, I will now see things and know things quicker because of you. That's the best way to end a relationship, with gratitude, with a spirit of gratitude that I had to have met you. I'm glad I did. I'm glad you did all that you did because everything that you did is now empowering me to make a different choice the next time I'm in a love scenario. That's the best way to do it. Bless people out the door. Huh? If you bless them on the way in, bless them on the way out the door. God bless you. I wish you well. <laughs> I wish you well from far away. <laughs> Thank you for watching tonight. Thank you, my sister T, for being a part of the show. What an amazing story. To everybody, 
Y'all be good to each other. I'll see you soon, very soon. And I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it.